Welcome to the Strategic Leader Podcast, a program all about transforming minds and developing leaders. Our goal is to challenge your thinking, expand your vision, and awaken the emerging leader in you. Now, here is your leadership mentor and coach, and the host of the Strategic Leader Podcast, Brian Holmes. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 123 of the Strategic Leader Podcast. Hey, we're gathering leaders from all over the world together in this incredible community, and we're focusing on personal and leadership development. Today, I get to introduce you to another one of my great friends and colleagues, Mike Kim. And we're going to be talking about making the pivot from status quo to so much more. This is the year to do just that. I can't wait to introduce you to him right now. Well, hey, everybody, it's great to have you with us on the program today, and it is just a wonderful season to be alive. It's a wonderful time to be engaged in your purpose, in your calling, or whatever you want to refer to it as. And what I want to share with you today, I believe, is something unique and special. Mike Kim is an author, a speaker, and a marketing consultant. He's a communication strategist. He's a prolific copywriter. If you don't know what that is, that's someone who writes sales copy and marketing letters for companies and products. Mike has so many talents, and quite honestly, we'll talk in the interview some about his background, but uh, in his very young life relative to mine, he has accomplished so many things, made so many contributions to so many sectors of society. He's a great musician, great singer. He is truly a leadership expert, someone that I have great confidence in. He and I happen to be a part of a mastermind group together, so we get to spend some quality time. And to be very honest with you, Mike has been one of those people who you hear me refer to often as uh, great relationships that God has put in my life these last few years who have made a difference in my life. And I'm just so, so proud and so grateful to call him a friend and a colleague. So I'm ready to introduce you to Mike. And I know that from this interview today, you're going to get great benefit. We're talking about making substantial pivots in your life to where you can move from one trajectory, one direction, one uh, focus, and find a more fulfilling, more satisfying, and more productive place in your life. Let's go right now to my interview with Mike Kim. Mike Kim, welcome to the Strategic Leader Podcast, man. Great to have you on the program today. Brian, I am pumped. This is going to be a lot of fun and good to meet all you guys tuning in. Well, you know, you and I go back a little ways. We met, I think, in 2012 or 2013 at a platform conference uh, just ever so briefly. Obviously, I didn't make a very big impression because nothing <laughs> materialized from, from that meeting. But uh, some years later, we reconnected and it's been a great relationship. And I'm so grateful, man, that you've taken time to, to be with us today. Yeah, that you know, it's it's just funny, like that that conference, you meet a lot of people and you're just like, oh, I wonder what's going to stick, you know, and you just never know. And that's a big part of just getting yourself out there and letting the chips fall where they may. And here we are, like we're, we're chatting a couple years later is who, who would have figured? 
Yeah, well, in the spirit of full disclaimer here, we, uh, you and I have developed a great relationship over the last uh, year or so, really, uh, through a couple of means, but primarily the fact that we are in a mastermind group together and we share almost weekly on some level. Uh, you've been instrumental in helping me with a couple of launches and things that we've been working on. You're just... We'll talk a lot about what you do in a minute, but I want to thank you, man, for uh, the relationship, and it means a lot. And you and I have a, a a lot in common with our background. Tell us a little bit about you, your family, your life, and just give us kind of the backstory here. Yeah, I guess just working from here backwards, um, been married about 10 years. I think it's about. I don't know why I keep saying about. That's an important, <laughs> it, that's an important number for you years. to remember, my friend. Right. And uh, my wife, Iris, and I have been married 10 years. We live uh, just outside of New York City uh, in New Jersey, right across the river. And New Jersey doesn't really perk anyone's ears. So we just tell everybody we're like just outside New York City because we are, but it's not in the city. And right now I spend my days as a full-time entrepreneur doing marketing consulting work and speaking and using podcasts and blogs to kind of get my business rolling and help other people do the same. And before all this, I was working as the chief marketing officer for a company, multi-million dollar company in the New York City area right here. And uh, did that for a number of years and was building my business on the side, my consulting business on the side while I was doing that work. So it was kind of a strenuous season. But before I did that, probably about four years ago, four to five years ago, I was pretty heavily involved in Christian ministry. So I was working at a church for a number of years. I had a background doing that uh, basically since out of college. So my life has been a series of zigzags or what I call pivots where I have made transitions, um, many transitions actually, over a very short period of time. And uh, somehow we're, we've hung on and it was, it's been a white knuckle ride sometimes, but we've come out the other side. So I have kind of this, I guess, storied background, <laughs> like really diverse. And the thing is that I've been really grateful for every experience because I've been able to take skills that I've developed in each season and those experiences in each season, and they've always materialized into something helpful for the next season. So uh, that's my life in a nutshell. You probably look at it on paper. I looked at my LinkedIn profile. You'd be like, what is wrong with this guy? Dude, he's all <laughs> over the place. But here I am, still alive, actually thriving, and uh, that's kind of the short story. You, you just take go back a little bit in your story here, and as you came up through high school and college and what have you, you did you immediately go into vocational ministry, or what was your what was kind of the 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 journey from the educational season into what you thought would be your lifelong career? Oh, I had, <laughs> Ryan, I had no idea what I was going to do uh -huh. um, when I was in college. And when I was in high school, I wanted to draw comic books because I, I was actually pretty decent really? at art. Yeah. And I, lo I, I really loved comic books and my mom thought they were the devil. <laughs> so uh, she was like, no, you're, you're Asian. You're not going to grow up and draw comic books. You're going to become a doctor or a lawyer, you know? And for those of you like, really do Asian people generally stereotypically say that yes they do <laughs> so i just <laughs> um you're talking about being strategic you know we had it you know pounded into our heads early on in life so she's like you'll be a lawyer or a doctor you know like every other asian kid out there every other korean kid but mom was good at art and i picked up on some of that 
And so I started doing art and like a teenager, I was like, I'm not drawing a vase of flowers or like still life. I want to draw Spider-Man and the X-Men. And she's like, this is stupid. This is, this is bad. You shouldn't draw these stupid things, you know, go do real art if you're going to do art. So I wanted to do that, Brian, growing up. And then when I got into high school, I started getting really involved, um, you know, in basketball at school and then also in music, uh, primarily through the youth group that I was attending at my church. So that was that was a really fun season. And when I came out of high school, I had no idea, to be honest, what I wanted to study. I, you know, I didn't really pursue the art thing full time or full bore because, you know, mom was like, yeah, you're not doing that. And when I was in college, you know, that's a, that's a season where you, you're exposed to a lot more things. And um, I was trying to figure out what I was interested in. I actually thought about doing law. Mm. I really liked reading. I really liked the argumentative side of things. I thought about joining the FBI. <laughs> wow. Like it was just all over the place. And um, during that time, I got a little bit more involved with my church and with youth group and helping out there, even though I was out of youth group and um, doing more music. And so my life kind of naturally went into that because I think that was something that I was naturally good at. And doors just started opening for me. Opportunities started coming my way and I took them. And that's the, that's the path my life went down. Uh, went to seminary for a few years and got my degree. And during that time, I was, what, maybe 22 to 24 years old. And after that, um, maybe about a year and a half after graduating, my wife and I, we got married. I was working in the educational space, just kind of teaching on the side and tutoring and stuff like that while I was helping out at the church. And then we moved to Connecticut for four years where I took a full-time staff position as a worship pastor. For those of you who don't know that is, that's basically the music guy at the church. <laughs> the the a, music for, guy. Yeah, the music guy. That's what I tell people that don't know that world. I basically played the music and put together the volunteer music teams and all that stuff. And it was a big job. I mean, it was a big organization. So I learned a lot about leadership, administration, vision casting. It sounds really simple, but I don't want to belabor the point, but... Uh, <laughs> Like, imagine someone calls you, Brian, and says, hey, you're really talented at music. Here's what we'd like you to do every single week. We want, to take, we want you to take about 25 to 30 regular people who aren't musicians. They <laughs> sell insurance. They drive trucks for a living. You know, they work at, you know, I, I, you know Target or whatever. <laughs> and uh, we want you to make them sound amazing every single week. And we also know that they're very entitled and they think they're awesome. But in reality, they drive trucks and work at Target and <laughs> sell insurance. But we still want you to make them sound awesome every week. So <laughs> that was basically my life for four years. And when you put it that way, it's, you know, you can see why somebody who's willing will learn a lot about leadership and administration and vision casting. So we did that for years. And, and then, um, you know, and then we went, came back home to New Jersey and, um, that was that, that you could see my journeys all over the map, but yeah, that's what I was doing right out of school. Now I'm going to ask a, just, a, a, yeah. a probably a shady question here, but how, how old are you? I am 37. So here's what I want to make a point at 37 years old. You have had a gamut of incredible experience and some of those experiences challenging and maybe even seasons where it was just like, well, that didn't work. But, <laughs> but the point is, is that my gosh, man, at 37 years old, so much of your life ahead of you. You have gathered t together uh, and assimilated so much knowledge, information, wisdom, experience, 
and that has brought you to what you refer to as this pivot point in your life. And uh, I want to talk at some point in our conversation, if we have time, about ministry and marketplace, because that's that's near and dear to both of our hearts. But talk about this last two or three years in your life where this pivot happened. What does that mean to you? How did it come about? What were some of the major factors of that materializing in your life? Well, I think there are two things. I think there's 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 one side of it where I had to ask myself, is this is what I'm doing now what I want to do for the rest of my life? Because to be totally honest, I had no idea what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. I think all of us face that question at some point or another. What am I going to do with my life? And it's not a great question to ask, right? right. Because right. there's almost no answer. Very few people can say, no, I know exactly what I want to do with my life. And life is a series of seasons, like you said, like you just said, um, evolutions, if you will, transformations, um, pivots. And when we came back uh, to New Jersey from Connecticut, uh, we moved uh, for a number of reasons. It wasn't one thing. One reason was that my wife wanted to pursue a career in science and medicine, and it just made sense for us to be closer to New York City, which is where we were originally from. So. There are more opportunities, and so that was one factor. The second factor, another factor rather, was I didn't want to be doing what I was doing for the rest of my life. I had done it for four years. We had a lot of success. We recorded albums. I was, you know, basically had nothing left to prove in that in that mm-hmm, arena. Mm-hmm. And I got a little maybe bored, Brian. I don't know if that would be the right word, but I was like, well, I can keep doing this for another five, ten years and maybe help grow this organization and be with one group for a really, really long time. But I met a guy and that, that meeting really changed the trajectory of my life. He was somebody that was doing what I was doing in the church world, in music. He was at the top of the mountain and I I flew out to Colorado to meet him. And when I left his office, it was a great conversation. When I left his office, I asked myself when I went back to the hotel, it's like, do I want to be that guy in 12 years? Because that's how much older he is than me. And I said to myself, no. And that was an eye-opening aha moment because I had no idea what I wanted to do. I just knew I didn't want to do that. So it wasn't, it wasn't the it content. It was not the content of the conversation. It was the realization that, okay, this is, this is where I'm headed. And he's at the peak of this industry. And, and the question is, do I want to be that guy in 12 years? Absolutely. And this Gosh. is what I ask all my friends, colleagues, people that I have this conversation with. Um, you know, let's, let's say that, you know, let's say someone listening in, maybe you're at a company right now and you've been with this company for five, seven years and you're wondering, oh gosh, do I leave this company and go do something on my own or should I stay? And when you ask that question, that's not enough context. What you've got to do is you've got to further contextualize that question. And so I want you to look at the person who is two, three, four levels above you at that company and ask yourself, do I want that person's life? Look at your manager. Look Not at their your job. Boss. Do you look want your, your life? Boss and ask, do I want Bob's life? Yeah, in yeah. T- tenure? Do I want Jill's life in 10 years? And if you say, if your answer is a screaming, resounding no, then why, why continue? Like you have to, yeah, I get you have to continue because you, you need the paycheck and you need stability in your family. And we can talk about all that because those are all challenges that I've faced. But something inside you has to say, no, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm at least willing to rattle my own cage and say, hey, snap out of it. 
you know, just kind of slap yourself in the face a little bit and be like, you got to think a little bit different because if you don't want to be Bob or Jill, um, you've got to do something different because chances are those guys aren't going anywhere and they're going to be sitting there and you're going to be sitting there in five or 10 more years and nothing's going to have changed. Nothing will have changed. So that, that's really what, what happened to me. I had that same exact conversation. You're right. It wasn't what he said. It was just seeing his life and seeing where he was. And I was like, no, I I don't want to do this. And that, that was it for me. And then the rest of it was a process of figuring out what I want to do. You know, the, the path that a person is on leads somewhere. And in all likelihood, someone has walked that path and they're further down the road than you are presently. And it's not that hard to look ahead and see where that person is, the quality of their life, the things they deal with, and, and be able to ask that question. But yet so few people do that. Why? Why? Why do we not take the time to really consider where we're going to end up in a year, two years, five years? And, and surely there's a benchmark somewhere we can reference, don't you think? Oh, yeah, I, I agree. But, you know, as to answer why, I, I can't speak for everybody else out there, but I know why I didn't ask because I was in a culture, um, Asian culture, Korean culture, you don't really question authorities. You do what they say. Wow. Okay. Right. And then, you know, I'm in the church world and same, I, same I, thing, same thing, right? <laughs> you don't, you don't question what, what they say. And truth be told, I always ask questions. I would always be like, why, why? And it would just annoy people. And, um, it, it was this weird, it's, it was this weird, um, not tension, but this weird mix. But I think that's what made me really good at what I do because I do ask why even today in business or marketing or when I'm coaching somebody, I ask why I ask those uncomfortable questions. And, um, there's a, there's a place for people like me. There's a place if you're, you're listening today and you're one of those people that just can't stand just simply following orders or following a set path. There is a place for you. There is work that you can do. There is value that you can add to the world. And what you may perceive as a weakness is actually a strength. Mm -hmm. So, I think for, for me, it was just finally getting to a point, Brian, where I was at peace with the fact that I was a feather rustler. <laughs> like I was somebody who would just ask un- uncomfortable questions, you know, and um, not to the point of being disrespectful or being a little snot or uh, being, a, being a smart aleck, but truly, logically, calmly, professionally asking why. Yeah. And I, 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 that started with me. That started with asking my, myself that question. Why? Why am I doing this if this is not what I want to do in 10, 12, 15 years? So the first pivot that happened in the, this recent season, the last 10 years, was this realization that I, I don't want to be doing this particular thing. At the time, it was being the worship pastor, worship leader of this church for, for the next 15 years. I don't want to be this guy in 12 years. That led you to a marketing consulting job, right? Yeah, but not directly. So I know this is getting really real detailed, but we moved back to New Jersey and I had no idea what I was going to do with my, I didn't have a job lined up. We just left. Oh, wow. And I tell you what, that's a, that was a leap of faith. But you know, I just, I was 33 at the time and I said, you know what, we're going to, I'm going to help my wife pursue her career and we're going to move to back to New Jersey and she's going to go take a really low paying job at one of these famous universities because universities don't pay a lot in, in the science field. Mm-hmm. And she had a job lined up. And I just said, you know, we're just going to pull the trigger. I don't even care anymore. 
We're like <laughs> like I, the, the roses are not always going to be along the pathway uh, that we walk along, but we're willing to be courageous and just make that leap. And I tell you, man, people thought we were crazy. We, we had a lot of stability. Um, we were very comfortable. We were treated very, very well. I, I say nothing bad about that church that we were at. They, they really treated us well. But I just said, hey, we're going to take a leap of faith. And I'm going to find a way. I don't care if I have to bag groceries and work three jobs. I will find a way to make it work. And I think it was at that point when I realized, okay, I'm made of something different than I thought I was. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it, a part of it is self-discovery. Um, just realizing, wait, wow, where's this passion? Where's this fire coming from? Sometimes it's lit under you because you're just making a leap and you don't know what you're going to do. How, how are you going to pay the bills? So we did that for about a year. And what I did for that first year was I literally just traveled nearly every weekend, leveraging my friends, my connections uh, in the church world. And I basically went around on a speaking tour and a music tour for about a year. And that's how we made our income. We did pretty well. But after about a year, it was a bad, poor quality of life because my wife wasn't traveling with me. She was working. Right. So we had to make some changes and uh, call, I got a call from my old boss who was, work, who was uh, heading up this educational company that I worked for part-time when I was in college. And she said, hey, I heard you're back in New Jersey. Would you come work for us? And I'm like, no, I'm not really interested. She's like, well, we opened another office. We're expanding. Uh, would, you, would you at least want to meet for lunch? I'm like, sure, let's catch up. And caught up. And long story short, um, I just saw how they were growing and they needed some help. And we eventually agreed upon a contract and they created a position for me in the C-suite as the chief marketing officer. So um, did that for about two and a half years. The business grew like six times over in revenue <laughs> the years that I was there uh, doing their marketing. And um, till this day, we have a great relationship and I still do some retainer work for, for them, but I'm no longer employed by them. So, but again, to backtrack, there was a moment where we just had to say, Brian, you know what? Whatever, we're, we're gonna go move. You know, we're just gonna pull the we're gonna pull the trigger. We're gonna jump out of the plane. And we're gonna trust that you know when we pull on this cord, <laughs> the parachute's gonna open. And uh, if it doesn't, I will do everything I can to make the parachute open. And you know, those were pretty tough times, man. I mean, those were serious conversations. If you're married or you you oh, with you somebody, th- those are serious conversations. Like I can just you know go back and move in with my mom or something. Like we were on our own, and um, you know we just had to pull the trigger and we did it. And we did that when we left Connecticut and, and came back to New Jersey, not knowing what we were going to do. And then once when I started to make um, transition plans to leave my CMO job, we had to do the same thing. I, I didn't know how I was going to replace all my income. I didn't know how I was going to make it work and make that transition a smooth one. So every, every journey, your journey is always going to be um, littered with these moments where you have to decide. You, you come to the fork in the road. Am I going to jump or am I not? Which yeah. path am I going to take? And we just learned early on uh, in our marriage, we're going to be the kind of people that keep going until we see a red light rather than sit back and wait for a green light. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. You know, I, I, you've probably heard me talk about the, the four stages of transition. And I, I've taught a lot on this in my leadership teachings around the world. There's discontent is number one. Disconnect is number two. Discovery mm-hmm. is number three. And then what I call deployment or redeployment uh, is the the last. 
And you've just described in your journey those four stages. And and I, I tell people all the time, you're not just going to experience this once in your life. It, you're every time there is a move to make. You know, from our perspective, it, when when the plans that the Creator has for us, you know, it's time to move on a little bit here, and it's it's the next level. You're going to experience most, if not all, of those stages in the transition. You call it the pivot. I want you to explain to our audience what is this pivot. Yeah, so pivot is uh, like just to just to paint a, a more familiar picture. You know, I grew up playing a lot of basketball, like I said, and played from a high school. And if you know anything about basketball or any kind of sport, really, it, like sports are full of pivots. You know, you, you gotta you gotta you're moving in one direction, you gotta shift to move to another direction. Yeah. And so in basketball, if you're running to a certain spot on the floor and um, you run there and then someone passes you the ball, you've got to plant your two feet and you've got to pivot off one foot. And that foot has to stay while it's not completely stationary. Otherwise, you'll twist your knee. Uh, you can't you can't take another step. It's got to be planted there and you can use that as kind of a fulcrum to rotate around. And so what what you have here, if you transfer this into a life analogy, is you have one component in your life that is still stable yet moving. Mm-hmm. And then you have the rest of your life that is kind of swinging in another direction using what is stable to kind of propel it. And that's essentially what you go through when you go through these either life or even career pivots, even if it's something new that you're doing at work. You know, you are always the sum total of your experiences and your skills. Like those don't just go away because your job title changes on LinkedIn. So um, <laughs> the things, <laughs> the things that I need. Really? Come on. Gosh, that's so yeah. disappointing to know that. <laughs> well, I mean, you can take the good. You can throw out the bad and take whatever you want. But <laughs> right. But all those experiences are with you. So um, I just realized that, OK, what won't change is my ability to administrate. My what won't change is my ability to be a, a a clear communicator. What won't change is the willingness that I have to be able to take risks. Mm-hmm. What will change is how and where those skills are executed. So, you know, maybe I did that in the church world, but now I'm doing it in this role with the company as their CMO, and I'm going to learn how to administrate and take risk and communicate all there in that job, and then I'm going to do that. Same thing with my clients. So I'm still doing the same things. They're just with different people. And it's those swivels, like those 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 seasons where you're kind of going through those changes. That's where people kind of like wrestle with that. And if you're completely reinventing yourself, um, what you have to understand is that there are basically three U's. And I'm, I'm going to make this you know real simple. Like number one, there is the present to you. That's what you're doing right now. So you're tuning in and you want to get out of what you're doing right now, but that's where you're at. This is the present to you. And then there is number two, the public you. And this is what everybody perceives you as doing right now. They all know that maybe you are an insurance salesman. Maybe they know that you are a rep for a certain company, or maybe they know that you know you work in IT. And the, right now, your present you and your public you, they're the same person. The bond between those two yous is very, very strong, right? But in the background, there is this pending you, who you want to become, what you want to be known for, what you want to be doing. And you're still formulating that out. And I know you, you may not have the answer as to what you want to do with your life right now. 
um, because that was what it was like for me. I had no idea. All I knew, Ryan, was that the present you was not who I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing I did was try to erode the bond between my present you and my public you. And I just stopped talking about music online, on my Facebook page, you know, with my friends. I just stopped talking about ministry-related things on my Facebook page or, you know, with my friends or online. I just stopped taking those kind of invitations to do more of the same thing that I was doing at present. I had to undergo a shift and a transformation. It wasn't overnight, it was gradual, where I had to almost disassociate myself from those things. Now, I still had the skills, I still had the talent, I still had the insight, but I no longer wanted to do actions related to those things. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard because, like it or not, what you do, especially if you've been doing it for a long time, defines you greater than you may think it does. Yes. And so it, it takes a lot of self-discipline to say, I'm going to keep my... You got to put yourself on a gag order, a self-imposed gag order when it comes to that. And oh man, it was tough because you know sometimes money was tight and I'd get an invitation. Hey, would you come speak? And I would say no, right? I just had to stop doing that. I had to erode because I knew what would happen. I would go somewhere, meet up with some friends. They would take pictures with me. They would tag me on Facebook and boom, there it is all over again. Oh, Mike's doing the same thing, even though he's not in Connecticut anymore. You see what I mean? Yeah. So I just had, I just had to keep saying no and erode that bond between the present you and the public you. And as I was shifting and figuring out who this pending you was or this pending me was, I had to strengthen the bond between that pending me and the public me. And it's the same for you guys. When you're, tun you're tuning in right now, you've got to strengthen the bond between your public you and your pending you. And that's how you kind of make that pivot. So, yeah, it's funny, Brian, because you never knew me in a former life, did you? I did <laughs> like, not. You see? And when, when someone asks you, hey, what's Mike like? You know, you're probably, oh, he does, he does marketing. In fact, I knew you for probably three to four months before I knew you were ever in the former life. Yeah, isn't that funny? That's crazy. And, 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 that, and when I look at the people that I know now, they don't know that previous me. They have no idea, right? Because I don't talk about it that much unless I have opportunities like this to share the story. And now that I'm on the other side of it, I'm a few years out on the other side of it, I can talk very openly about what I did before because now people find the story and the journey really encouraging or really insightful or whatnot. But I would not have shared that story three years ago. Mm -hmm. I would not have said, hey, Brian, I'm glad we're talking, you know. Three weeks ago, I just quit my ministry job. And, uh, <laughs> it, just, it would have no gravitas behind it. It would have no authority. So um, that's really the struggle that you're going through. There's, there's three U's, you know, the wow, present, that's powerful, the public, man. and the pending. That's powerful. You know, here, here's what I know, Mike. You obviously know about me that I travel a great deal. I, have, I do a lot of coaching um, everywhere I turn, man. I don't care if it's if it's pastors, if it's corporate leaders, if it's entrepreneurs. I bet you 90% of the people that I work with or talk to or serve in some capacity are at a point in their life where they are feeling the need to pivot. Mm -hmm. They I mean it, it's nuts to me. It just everyone seems to be at this place right now 
where they're being drawn to something fresh and new and, and more fulfilling or more rewarding or more impactful or whatever it may be, but they, they're not real sure how to navigate this, this thing. Give us a couple of things, and I, I also want you to talk about how you particularly serve people who are in that season because I know you have a real, uh, a real knack, a real talent, a real gift to help people to make this pivot. So talk about that a little bit. Sure. So let's use kind of the last framework that I gave with the three U's. So um, let, let, let's say that you have somebody that wants to kind of transition out of what they're doing, uh, but they can't stop what they're doing. What they can stop doing is publicize what they're doing. And um, I, let, let's just use pastors as an example, since you mentioned that. Um, you, if you look at a pastor's Facebook page and you go on that page and you just scroll through the last 30 days worth of Facebook updates. Let's say that he's pretty active on Facebook. Here's what you're going to find. You're going to find pictures of his church, probably pictures of him preaching at his church, probably one of those quote cards, you know what, you yeah, know what those yeah. are, like, right? Saying some, some quote that has to do with faith or religion or whatever it is. What, and, then, and then there are probably some sort of commentary on the political scene and how you know, he or she sees politics through their lens of faith. And then there are going to be pictures of their kids and, you know, their spouse or whatever. And that's what you're going to see. And when someone looks through those, the, foot, the digital footprint, that's what I call it, the digital footprint that you have left on your Facebook page. I'm picking on Facebook because that's where people are the least disciplined with their pivot and with handling public perception of who they are. All I would tell that person is stop doing all five of those things. Do not post anything related to your church. Do not post any quotes. Do not post any Bible verses. Do not post anything related to what you're doing right now. That's sacrilegious. How dare you? I dare because I question things. (laughs) (laughs) And I would tell that person, if you want to become an author or you want to become a consultant or you want to become a coach, you need to turn off that valve because as long as you keep it on, it's helping water the lawn of the place that, of the field that you're already sitting in. You are further keeping yourself away from making the pivot if you keep doing that. Yeah, that's great. And they think, oh my gosh, no, I can't do it. And that's when I, you know, that's when people hire me who are serious and and I whip them into shape. And I, I'm almost like Brian. I'm almost like their agent. Mm-hmm. I'm almost like their manager. I'm almost like their campaign manager. I'm like, you cannot say that. I'm sorry, you cannot post that. Delete that immediately, you know. Yeah, <laughs> like you must stay on brand and on point. And then what I tell them is, well, do I need to? They ask, do I need to start a blog? Do I need to spend like ten thousand dollars on a website? I say, no. All you got to do right now is think about where you want to go, or if you don't know where you want to go, at least share what you are learning right now that is not related to your previous life. So it may be even a book that they've read. And if you're going to share a quote, share a quote from a book that you've read that is not a religious book that will not further cement the current season that you're in. And that's what I did. I mean, I, I remember, Brian, I, I distinctly remember it was January 2013. That's when I first started getting serious about my blog. And oh man, you know, I could have written books on the stuff that I had learned and experienced through that previous season of life. And I, I, put a, I put a self-imposed gag order on alerts. <laughs> okay, I put myself on alert. 
And I was like, you cannot blog about any of that stuff. It was so hard. So I started blogging about public speaking, but I didn't do it through the lens of preaching at a church. And I started talking about leadership, but I did not share examples of stuff that I did in the church. It was hard. I had to get really creative. And I distinctly remember a pastor friend of mine emailed me and he was like, dude, what are you doing? Why are you writing about stuff like this? Like, what's wrong with you? And I just want to hit that guy. <laughs> I'm like, you're such a, what? Are you serious? Like, why would you waste your breath calling me? I was like, because I don't want to talk to people like you. Right. You know, I was like, you're not my audience anymore. I don't know who my audience is. But if you're upset that I quoted Socrates or something in a blog post, I was like, you know, just go to Starbucks and leave me alone. <laughs> right. Because it was like, because you have to understand that the voices that are familiar with you right now, they will always want you to be the same. Yes. They like where you are. You're predictable. You're safe. They know you. And as, student, as soon as you start venturing out and you start questioning things, people get a little bit uncomfortable. You ever go through that with one of your teenagers, Ryan? I, I'm sure you have Oh, shall we talk about it? Right? Like <laughs> they start listening to a certain type of music or they start reading a certain type of book. And you're like, what is going on in that little brain of theirs? I think they're changing. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. I have to make sure that they stay on the straight and narrow. And any good parent will do that, right? Yep. That's instinctive. Yep. But yep. at the same time, we also know that, you know, you try to fight it. You want to keep them within certain guidelines. You don't want them to destroy their lives. But that's part of the growing process. And you have to expect that people that are very familiar with you will not always encourage you to grow. Yeah. And, oh, man, it's, it's on both sides now, right? Because not only are you imposing things on yourself where you where you put on a gag order and you can't further reinforce what you're already known for then you have that whole old crowd that is saying mike why aren't why are you writing about stuff like this why don't you write about music and why don't you really help the church and blah 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 blah. and that that's hard to weather so that's step one just stop talking about and stop publicizing what you do right now and then step two would be to start publicizing Things that you're learning that are not necessarily directly tethered to what you're doing right now. Mm -hmm. So borrow other people's authority. So let's take another example. Say you're an IT guy, but you want to become a coach. And, you know, wow, talk about two totally different. Yeah, that's a pivot. (laughs) Yeah, that's a big pivot, right? So instead of on your Facebook page complaining about clients and how they don't even know how to plug in, you know, a certain type of cable or whatnot, uh, start writing about a book that has really encouraged you in personal development. Yeah. Right? And now, now that's not a coaching book. That's not it. But go read a book that has really encouraged you to grow professionally and personally and share quotes from it. Oh, wow. Look at Brian. He says, well, okay, this is interesting. He's got some quotes. And you do that for 30 days and then you increase it to 60 days and you go to 90 days. You do, I swear, you do that for 90 days, you'll be amazed what the shift is that people have in terms of their perception of you. And that is where marketing 101 starts on your Facebook page where you are probably the least disciplined, where you're posting pictures of your dinner all the time <laughs> and all these certain, and you, you discipline yourself there, then you can do it. But you've got to develop that muscle of self-discipline in terms of managing your own image and your own perception. Now, I understand that you have recently developed a course. Uh, I don't know if this is just an online course, if it's a coaching program with you, but tell us about the Pivot course because I have heard incredible things about 
uh, some folks that have been through that that have just, it's rocked their world. So I want to hear about that. Yeah, so the Pivot course is basically all this stuff that we've talked about today, just fleshed out even more step by step. Um, not a ton of not not a ton of content. It's not a lot of fluff. Here, here's what I've realized: that people that are going through the pivot, they don't need to read a lot more necessarily. They need to do a lot more. Right. And when they do more, they need to make sure that they have someone that's keeping them accountable in that doing. So, it's a mix of offline, like uh, no, what do I say? Online content, <laughs> so that you can be learning stuff and you can be training yourself as a marketer and honing your message. But there's also a coaching element. There are parts where, you know, I'll get on a call with you or I'll get on a call with the entire group of students that's in for that particular season. And we talk this through because staying on brand and the discipline to keep pushing through and the discipline to keep trying to land some new clients in your new line of work, that's very challenging to do by yourself. And the way that I phrase it is like this, you know, whenever you go through a major life transition, whether it's career, whether it's personal, think about what we tend to do. We always reach out for outside help, don't we? I mean, uh, I'm not even talking about like a career shift. I'm talking when someone is ready to get married. I remember when we were getting getting ready to get married. Oh, my goodness. I called everybody under the sun. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. I called my friends who were married for a while. I called older mentors. I'm like, how do I screw this up? I called the guy to, you know, cut my hair. I called the guy to, you know, dress me up in the suit. We called these other people to advise us on how to take pictures or, you know, and you're calling everybody because this is a huge change in your life, right? And then let's say you got my sister just had a baby. I mean, they're they're going they're living on Google. They're they're t- <laughs> they're furiously asking for answers, right? Because they have a ton of questions. But here's what's crazy, Brian. People who go through a career transition or career pivot, they ask nobody. Yeah. Why? I don't know. I don't understand. They, they go inward and they just. I don't understand. Yeah. I don't it get it. It makes no sense. It's completely counterintuitive, not just in a, in a, in a professional sense, meaning what you do for work. It's just completely counter to what we do as human beings. Yeah. And so is. realizing this, when I went through my pivots, the most important thing I did was reach out to certain people that could guide me along the way. I almost felt like they were leading me through that turn. They were saying, okay, no, 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 you got to stabilize your right foot here. Plant it. Keep this foot in place. It was like the first basketball coach I ever had in second grade or something that taught me how not to travel, not to double dribble with the ball. He's like, no, you got to keep this foot planted. You got to swing your left foot around and then turn towards the basket. And that's exactly what I do with the pivot course. I help people, regardless of what industry they want to go into, I help them assess what they have, what skills and experience they have that they can transfer into a new area. And then I help them make that turn by helping them stay on brand, reach out to other people, how to come up with strategies to generate income and money. This is all part of what I had to do and I had to go through because it sounds good on paper, but if you're not making any money, yeah, I mean, you've just got a really expensive hobby. you know. So um, that's really how I work with folks. And I cannot emphasize, whether it's me or somebody else, I cannot emphasize enough how important it is that you get somebody around you that can coach you, that can walk with you through this process. And that's why I kind of do a mix of both in this course. I, I have the digital stuff where you're learning the marketing and training and you can consume that on your own time. But we also have the live element where we're doing calls and we're doing Q&As and all that kind of stuff because, you know, 
A book is not going to change your life at this point. You need to take action. And when people take action, what's the first thing they tend to do? Not take action. Exactly. So that's that's exactly what we do. So how, how can someone enroll in this training and coaching process with you? Yeah, we're going to be going through a launch um, for the own, for like the entire month of February. And, and our, our course is launching. Our first kind of push for this year is going to be in March. Um, but right now, what you the smartest thing you can do is just go to thepivotscourse.com, T-H-E-P-I-V-O-T, thepivotscourse.com, and go over there and download what I call the Brand You Blueprint, which is basically seven steps that you take in order to build your brand and to get an overall strategy. And what that does is it kind of at least frames out what this is going to look like, what we're building, and that's totally free. And then if you're on that if you've downloaded that, then you'll be on board in the insider list and we'll, we'll get details out to you. But, you know, go over there, free gift, um, and you're going to kind of have exactly what it says, a blueprint of what we're going to be building together. And I guess you'll notify them whenever the course becomes available in February, March. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And I, w- I would go over there immediately because there's a lot of, lot of great content um, that we're going to be shelling out as a part of this whole course. I have interviewed you know, 15 or 16 really, really successful people that have gone through a pivot and asked them to share uh, their stories from all different industries, from education into business, from business into ministry, from corporate world into private consulting, um, men, women, uh, old, young. We've got people all across the gamut. So you're going to find somebody that you resonate with and uh, all of that's going to be part of our promotion. So I want to I, w- I encourage you guys, get on that list and... Um, Hey, 2016 can be the year that you pull this off. And uh, if we're the right people, we'll help. My team and I will help you. That's awesome. Thepivotcourse.com. And then uh, tell us where we can find out more about you and the other work that you do also. I'm, I, I'll, I know the website, but I'll let you tell them. Yeah, sure. My main website is at mikekim.com. And I also have a podcast called The Brand You Podcast, which you can find yeah. right there on Great my website. Great podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, which you can find right on my website or find in iTunes, just like you found uh, this podcast here with Brian. So, um, yeah, we've got a ton of free content. And right now we're just going through that whole this whole theme of talking about helping people make a pivot because, hey, it's the new year. People are wondering, can this be the year that I start this process? And I'm not going to lie. It's not an overnight thing. No way. I, I hate that kind of quick, get quick, rich kind of stuff. And like, yeah, you yeah. can do this in 90 days. No, man, it takes some time. Unless you're living with a mom at home in the basement, uh, (laughs) you've got bills to pay. You've got a family to take care of. And it is a very sensitive thing. So what I specialize in is helping people do this safely without sacrificing the well-being of their family, of their loved ones, um, and even to a certain point, not endangering their income. And here's the thing I'm most proud of, Brian. When we went through these pivots, not once did we ever make less money than the previous season. So even though I was going through all these changes, we found a way to generate enough income that would keep us afloat. And it actually was more. We never had to cut back. It's crazy. So I share all that kind of stuff uh, with my students in the Pivot course. Here's what I know, Mike. I know that there are a lot of people out there that listen to our podcast and you know, connected with our tribe and our community that are experiencing this, this whole season you're talking about. They also have heard me talk about the last three or four years that I've been through this exact process. Unfortunately, I didn't know you at the beginning, or I would have very much plugged into 
to your experience, your coaching, your expertise in this area because I, I, I needed it. Uh, thankfully, I had some good people around me that were able to help me navigate it. But here's what I want to say to everyone who's listening. This, If this resonates with you, go right now to thepivotcourse.com and get access to the blueprint, the brand new blueprint that Mike's offering and then that will put you in the loop for when this course comes out. And here's my thing. Whatever investment you – we haven't talked about all that. That's between you and Mike. But whatever investment you may need to make in yourself this year to make 2016 the year that you successfully pivot and move into your next level season, I want to challenge you to do just that. And you begin by taking action right now, and that is to go to thepivotcourse.com and plug into the resources that Mike has made available to us. Mike, you are an exceptional leader, my friend, and I am so grateful to have you. Uh, before you go, I want to ask you one last question. You are a leader, and you've been around all types of leadership uh, genres, be it corporate, be it ministry, whatever. What's the number one leadership principle you believe uh, is is has shaped your life? Oh, man, that's a good question. I would... I would say empathy, hands down. And explain. The ability to understand what people will experience as a result of your decisions. And I know that there are times as a leader where you've got to make tough decisions and you've got to ask a lot of your team, but that never means that you should disassociate yourself from what they're feeling. And I have found that when people feel like you understand them, not completely, you're not the same as them, but when they feel like you're acting in the best interests of them and the vision that you're serving together, they will rally around you, even if, even if it means longer hours or if it means seasons of sacrifice. But empathy has been the number one thing for me in every single leadership position that I've been in. The ability to understand what my team will be feeling and even the ability to understand and empathize with what my superiors, my bosses will feel as a result of my decision. And because of that, I think I've, I've just been blessed to have a strong network of people around me. Uh, those that work with me generally like me. And I'm, it's not a popular contest, but they like me because I, I'm empathetic. And as a result of that, we've always had better fruit mm. from our efforts. So empathy, right? That's, that's, a, that's the biggest thing. I would say that's powerful. Mike Kim, thank you so much, man, for being on the strategic leader podcast today. You have been an invaluable resource to us and we are grateful. I am honored to be here and go out and do it guys. Be strategic. This is the year. Well, I trust that you were greatly impacted by this interview and I hope you go back and listen to it again and again couple of quick announcements. You can find all the show notes and the links we referenced here at brianholmes.com forward slash 123. <laughs> brianholmes.com forward slash 123. Also, if you've not subscribed to our weekly email updates, I want to encourage you to do just that. The Four Cornerstones for Strategic Living, our online course, we want to give that to you as a free gift for connecting with us in our community here just go to our website, brianholmes.com, top right-hand corner of the page. You'll find the link to uh, not only subscribe and connect with us there, but also to get access to the Four Cornerstones course. I want to also invite you to do this. 
if this episode, frankly, if this podcast every week is benefiting you in any way, I want to ask you to help us by sharing this episode and or the link to our podcast with your friends, with your family, with your coworkers, your colleagues, those people who are a part of your world, let them know about brianholmes.com and about the Strategic Leader Podcast. You can do that on social media, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Google+, uh, all those types of outlets. You can also just shoot them an email and say, check this out. You have to listen to this podcast. But we want to really employ you and mobilize you to help us get the word out about what we offer here because our heart is to serve more and more people this year. We want to take this message of leadership and growth and purpose to a much broader spectrum in 2016, and you can help us to do that. A couple of questions I want to leave you with today. Do you recognize that you are at that kind of a place that Mike was talking about today? Do you need right now to make a legitimate pivot in your life? Maybe you need a total reinvention like he talked about. Are you really committed to abandoning the status quo and in doing so, opening the possibilities of taking your life and your leadership to the next level? I hope that you are. And if you find yourself at that place in your life right now, I encourage you to do two things. Stay plugged in to the Strategic Leader Podcast and to brianholmes.com. We're going to be serving you in greater ways this year, offering all kinds of resources. And I want to make sure you know that we're here to serve you. And number two, again, I want to remind you, plug in to Mike Kim. Thepivotcourse.com is where you can get access to that information and those resources. And then his website, his blog at mikekim.com. Until next time, may God bless you and may he keep you and may he increase you as you become more and more of what he created you to be. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Strategic Leader Podcast. We trust that this program has added value to your life and to the development of your leadership potential. You can join our growing community of strategic influencers by connecting with us at brianholmes.com and by sharing this podcast with others who are seeking to take their life and leadership to the next level. May God bless you immensely. And until next time, remember this, you are created to lead.